Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Amen. Praise God. Well, this morning I want to start a new series entitled The Life of Faith. It's been a while that we really focus on that subject of faith. And you're going to see why it's absolutely essential and important that we, that we really do. So, in the, let me just start by saying this. Anybody remember what happened last week? What happened last week? The stone was removed away. Amen. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen from the dead. He's alive, praise God. He's victorious over death, over hell, over the grave, over all the powers of darkness. Redemption has been complete. Amen. And right now, if you don't understand this, he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high where he is in his present day ministry. He's just not relaxing. He's in his present day ministry. High priest, mediator, advocate, intercessor, and the surety or the guarantee of the new and everlasting covenant. That means he stands behind every word, every promise, every statement of fact. His blood, praise God, seals the deal for all of us. His blood was shed and we overcome how? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony as we love not our lives unto death. Can you say amen for that? Amen. amen. Well, before he ascended on high, the Bible tells us that he commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and preach religion to every creature. Oh, to preach religious tradition to every creature. My. All right, let me get this right. To preach the traditions of men to every creature. To preach the need for good works to every creature. I'm running, I'm running out. Let me see. Uh, to preach, keep the law to every creature. Okay. To preach, there's many roads that lead to God. Man. To preach that when one dies, there's a cessation of life and they're annihilated and they never cease to exist anymore. So party hardy and live the way you want. All right, let me regroup. He said to preach the gospel to every creature. Is that what he said? I wonder why he said to preach the gospel and not all this other stuff. Hmm. Let's find out. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. I'm going to point out three things here in these verses of Scripture that are very important to us. He said to preach the gospel because it is the power. The word power there in the Greek is 1411 in your strongest concordance. It's dunamis. It is the miracle, explosive, dynamic power of God. We get our word dynamite from that. Unto what? Salvation is the Greek word soteria. And what it means is salvation or being saved, delivered, healed, preserved, and made whole. So the gospel is the power of God that saves the lost, delivers the captives, heals the sick, preserves the saints, and makes whole those who've been maybe brokenhearted, shattered, shattered dreams or whatever. It's all wrapped up in what? The gospel. So thank God when someone proclaims the gospel, there was a release of dynamic power that saves, delivers, heals, preserves, and makes whole. That's powerful, wouldn't you say? So no wonder why he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. When he was here, he said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of Jubilee. Isn't that what he came to preach? He's not changed, has he? So he wants us to preach this gospel, this good news of salvation, deliverance, healing, preservation, and wholeness. Let me give you a quick example. I've used this many times, but it bears repetition right here. The woman that fell down, and this is one of the first times I've seen a miracle like this happen, and she absolutely tore the ligaments in her ankle. They were so bad that she could not touch the ground without excruciating pain. I was just recently saved. I was studying these truths from the Bible. Went over to her house with my father. It was a friend of his wife, my father's friend's wife. And so we went into the house, and it was hard for her to even move. She was crying, her tears down her face. Her husband had to carry her, put her on the couch. And so I just walked over to her and just said, um, have you been born again? And she said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Isn't that sad? She'd been in church all her life. I was in church for 24 years. Never heard you must be born again. So I said to her, well, Jesus you know, said you must be born again. And I began to explain to her the gospel. And once I got done with the gospel message, I said, would you like to accept Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord? And she said, yes, I would. So I prayed the sinner's prayer with her. And she got born again sitting right there on her couch. And I said to her, and once again, I'm young in the faith. Maybe a little bit naive. I don't know. I just said, well, now that you're saved, you're a child of God, and you've got a benefit, and that benefit is he's your healer too, if you want to make him your healer. And she said, well, yeah. Are you sure? I said, yeah. She, I said to her, and she said, yeah, I want to make him my healer too. So I said to her, well, then, okay, pray this simple prayer with me. I did the same thing like the leader to the Lord in the sinner's prayer. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know that you saved me, and I thank you for that. Now I know you're my healer, and by your stripes I'm healed. I accept you and receive you right now as my healer, and I thank you for my healing. So I just stood there and just said to Herb, now, sister, you're healed. What she did next blew me away. I think I was more surprised than anybody in that room. She jumped off the couch and stomped that foot on the ground 
that she couldn't even touch the ground before. Smacked it on the ground. She goes, no pain, I'm healed. There's power in the gospel. There's dunamis in the gospel. There's miracle working power. Now here's the thing. How do you teach that to someone? What did she do? Well, she didn't go to any school to learn anything because she just got saved right then. The simplicity of the gospel. Just at that moment, she heard it, she believed it. How do we know we get faith into a person's heart? You can hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. That doesn't mean you have faith. I really wish we could just see what happened. But I'm telling you, I didn't have to tell her to jump up. I didn't have to tell her to walk. She on her own says, well, if I'm healed, boom. How many people would do that? It's like the fellow that was sliding into second base and broke his ankle. It was a church league, and they all ran out to him and ran to pray for him. And they all prayed for him. Nothing happened. Of course, the next thing was to call the paramedics or whatever, but he was still lying there. And one of the ministers, I think, there said, Now, Lord, we prayed for him in faith, and we believe he's healed. Well, what's the problem here? How about this one? And the Lord said to him, he's trying to jump up on his good foot. Do you hear that? He said, tell him to jump up on the bad foot. He did and was instantly healed just like that. Just like that. How do you teach that? You could do it in the natural and just, you know, act on your own. You won't get anywhere. That's presumption. There's power in the gospel. Have we got so far away from it? There's power in the gospel. Number two in that text. It went on to say, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. What's revealed? The righteousness of God. Why is this important? The gospel's powerful. And it reveals the righteousness of God because righteousness means we are in right standing with God. Anyone and everyone outside of Christ is, in not, is not in right standing with God. It wouldn't matter how religious you are, how good you are, what good deeds, good works you do. None of that matters. If you're not in Christ, you're outside and you're not in right standing with God. And the thing is, righteousness is not a work of man. You can't become righteous no matter what you do, no matter what I do. It's impossible for us to become right with God apart from Jesus Christ. You can do as many good deeds as you want to. You can give to many good organizations as you want to. You can give Com Compassion International, etc., etc., etc. Whatever you want to do. Give away all your money if you want to. It doesn't really matter. You can't get saved. You can't buy your way into heaven. I can't buy my way into heaven. You see, righteousness is a work of God, not human accomplishments. Righteousness is based on a transfer that took place 2,000 years ago. And we talked about that transfer a little bit ago. The transfer is this. The Bible says that God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You ready for it? A transfer took place. All the sin of the world, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world was transferred from me over to Jesus. And now he bears the curse. He bears the wrath of God. And then when I say yes to Jesus, his righteousness is transferred over to me. By faith, I accept what he's done for me. And he makes me the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, 
that we be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So in Christ, we become righteous. No works of our own, no merits on our own, no accomplishments or achievements on our own. It's all based on the achievements of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So it reveals to us righteousness. So why is it important to preach the gospel? Because this is good news. You want to know why this is good news? Because where I grew up, in the religion I grew up in, I had to do so much penance you cannot believe. I did. Go home and do all these prayers and do, help your mother do the dishes and do this and do that and do the other thing. And I'll tell you what, I just thought, can we ever make it? Can we ever be good enough? Have you ever thought that? Am I going to make it? You can't make it on your own. You can't make it on the coattails of any family member that you have. There's only one way you can make it, and that's through Jesus. Thirdly, the third thing in this text, it says this. Remember, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for the just shall live by what? Wait a minute. The just shall live by what? In other words, those who are justified and made righteous by the blood of Jesus shall live by what? From faith to faith, they shall live by faith. You know what that means? From the first to the last. From the first day that you've come to Christ to the last day you leave this realm, we're to live how? By faith. Well, how important is that then? Remember the Apostle Paul at the end of his life said this, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. He started in faith. He finished in faith. And that's how God wants us. Start in faith, finish in faith. Well, how many of you know that it's so important that we apply faith to the gospel? And I'll show you why. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, look at what it says. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest... Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now notice these words. But the word preached did not profit them or benefit them, not being mixed with anger, fear, worry, keeping the law. Not being mixed with what? Faith. In them that heard it. This is a reference to the Israelites under the leadership of Moses when they heard the word, but they wouldn't mix faith with it. It's like putting all the ingredients to this wonderful cake that you bake or pie that you make. Put it all in a bowl and just leave it there and put it in the oven without mixing it. Just don't invite me over. Why does mixing... Make it so much better. You mix it all together. And then you could put it and bake your cake. Right? If you don't mix faith with the gospel, it doesn't benefit us. It doesn't work. Now listen. Why is that important to know? Well, because Jesus lived, suffered, died, and rose again for the gospel. You know what that means? If he lived, suffered, died, rose again for me, and I don't mix faith in what he's done, 
Guess what? It does not benefit me. He died for me. It doesn't benefit me. He suffered for me. It doesn't benefit me. He rose. It doesn't benefit me. Why? I'm not mixing faith with it. You know how many unsafe people are out here in the world today? He died for every single one of them. Praise God, He gave His life for every single one of them. He rose victorious. He's seated at the right hand of God for every single one of them. And they're not experiencing any benefit of the gospel because they haven't mixed faith with it. There's the problem. So that means it was for no reason in their lives. Which is why He told us, go into all the world and let everybody know the gospel. Let the Jew know the gospel first. Let the Greek know the gospel. Why? Because in it, is the power of God. In it is a revelation of God's righteousness. And in it is the, the, the need for us to live by faith. It gives us an understanding that we've got to mix faith with the gospel. Well, guess what? Under Moses, they didn't get, her, get in. They didn't enter in because of their doubt and unbelief. And the Bible says, it says this so in, in, in chapter 3 of Hebrews, they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. But God raised up a man named Joshua. In the Joshua generation, he put a message in his heart. It was a message of faith, a faith message that says this. I want you to teach the people that their enemies defeated. I want you to teach them they got a covenant with God. I want you to let them know how they got out of Egypt and they're here where they're at right now because I brought them out with a mighty hand and with great power. I want them to understand that you're not alone. You've got the hand of God upon you to get you into your promises. I want you to know that he is for you and not against you. And he wants to let them know that no matter what God says to do, if God says to do it, even if it's illogical, just go ahead and do it and you will find yourself entering into the fullness of the blessings of God. And guess what happened? Under Joshua's leadership, they didn't just get to the promised land. They got in the promised land. And when it seemed it was so illogical to walk around these Jericho's walls, if they just obeyed God and did what he said by faith, those walls came down. This is called an active gospel. I don't want a dormant gospel. What about you? I want it to be alive, a living thing in my life, and it should be in your life as well. So, in the book of Matthew, this is Matthew 14, this is the life of Peter. We know the story of Peter walking on the water. Just, just something that the Lord wanted me to share this morning. Walking on the water, we know that Peter walked on the water. So let's read it first. Peter answered when he saw Jesus and said, Lord, if, thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. One word, come. And when Peter was come down of the out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Notice sight, notice fear. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, You've got the greatest faith of any person I've ever seen. You're way beyond these other guys that were in that boat. Peter, I'm so impressed with your little trek on the water. What did he say? Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know why this is written in the Bible? To give us a revelation of the fact that you can start in faith, but it doesn't mean you're going to finish it and consummate the miracle. Thank God Jesus brought him back to the boat. We understand that. But I want you to see something here along the way. In order to step out of the boat and walk on the water in faith, 
there needs to be a word from God. You don't just do it because someone else did it. You do it because you have a word from God. Directly here from the Bible, or by the Spirit of God, or by a holy angel, uh, by inward witness, however it comes to you. It could be from a prophet or whatever it may be. It has to be a word given to you by God that you step out of that boat on. Because you see, once you get out of the boat, you're going to be vulnerable, and so am I, to all kind of mental challenges. There's going to be the winds of adversity blowing, coming against us, making us think wrong things. Well, you know what? The Lord said, actually said this to me as I was uh, looking at this. Peter wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the word come. Did you get that? He wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the word come. And when he got his eyes off the word come, he started walking on the water and found out what it would be like to walk on the water without the word come. And he began to sink. What's that telling us? Whenever we get our eyes off of what the Word of God says, we become vulnerable to all these emotional things coming against us because of circumstances, the winds of adversity and all that. It's easy to get our eyes and focus off of what God has spoken to us and said to us and get over here and look at this. And before you know it, that dictates to us more so than what the Word dictates to us. And we're no longer walking on the Word. We're walking on circumstances. And that's why he began to do what? He began to sink. That's a lesson he's given to us. Faith is a tender plant. You see, we think because we learned a scripture, we got this macho faith. No, we're not used to living by faith. We're not used to walking by faith. We're used to being governed by our five physical senses. Hearing, seeing, tasting, smelling, feeling, right? Our five physical senses help us navigate through this life. And we think, that's, that's, we're accustomed to it. We're, we're secure with that. We're safe with that. And the moment we get winds of adversity, when we're stepping out in the faith, what happens? Doubt sets in. Fear sets in. Worry sets in. Anxiety sets in. And we can start to sink. So what he is saying to us, we've got to develop a strong life of faith. Do you know Abraham was strong in faith? Matter of fact, when we do this study, we're going to see a lot of things in this study. There's no faith, little faith, great faith, perfect faith. And there are characteristics of all those degrees of faith. Someone says, well, if you got faith, you got faith. Well, that's, that's true. If you've been saved, you've got saving faith. I know that. But you know what? Because you got saving faith doesn't mean you have faith to be healed. You got saving faith doesn't mean you got saved to be protected, faith to be protected or delivered. And the list goes on and on. So it's important that we understand that if the just, the righteous live by faith, then living by faith becomes a lifestyle. And living by faith is something that we're all to do from the beginning to the end of our days and our journey here upon the earth. So we have to feed our faith constantly in order for us to keep our faith strong because the winds of adversity are going to come to us without a doubt. So we're not to get out of the boat unless we have a word to stand on. Now the other 11 stayed in the boat. They wouldn't even act on the word. Do you blame them? We got a storm that's brewing. We've got swells, probably who knows, 20, 30 feet swells. They're concerned for their lives and Jesus is Walking on the water. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Come! Peter, he's radical. You know that. Jumps out of the boat, starts walking. And then he realizes, oh my goodness, I acted too fast this time. Oh my. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at that, but 35 foot swell. Oh my. What? He's probably getting seasick and, and all that. 
You see, he began to doubt. Would anybody here admit today that it's easy to doubt? Jesus said, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. He said, if you don't doubt in your heart, you shall receive. You know how easy it is to doubt? If he would have said, whatever you ask the Father in prayer, doubting, you shall receive. We'd walk in miracles every day of our lives, wouldn't we? But you see, some 40, almost 44 years ago, I came bringing this kind of a message. This ministry that God has given me is one based on teaching faith. And that's probably the, the main focus of the ministry that God called me to. And the message was one that at that time, not as much today, but at that time it was sorely challenged by so many in the ministry that I'm, I'll tell you what, I was to the point of like, this is getting exhausting. I would have to stand before boards and all that and just, you know, you're a heretic. You came from a, a ministry that's a bunch of heretics and all that sort of thing. And you're trying. And you know what? To be honest with you, as young as I was in the Lord, I was just preaching my personal experiences from the word of God. I've saw many, many, many miracles take place in the early part of my personal life that are responsible, praise God, for my children being alive today. I'm not changing for anybody in this world. I've got a son somewhere here. Where's Andrew? Okay. He should be dead. My oldest daughter should be dead. So what I'm wanting to share with you about this, about this subject, the life of faith, you need to brace yourself. I need to brace myself again. Because you see, without faith in the gospel, oh, we can run, we can shout, we can hang from the chandeliers, but guess what? When your feet hit the ground, if there's no word of God underneath you, you're going to sink too. You're going under. And you don't do it because someone else said to do it. Okay. Here, for example, another one. How many of you know Mrs. Issue of Blood? You know her? We call her the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name. How about that? We don't know her name. But she's the woman with the issue of blood. This woman with the issue of blood... Suffered many things of many physicians. She was nothing better, rather grew worse. She spent all that she had on doing that. We talked about some of those methods that they used back then, and they're off the wall. But anyhow, she heard of Jesus. What did she hear of Jesus? Anyone that touches the hem of his garment is instantly made whole. Well, she's got a dilemma. You see, she is secluded. She's not allowed to intermingle with people because she's unclean. And so there she is in her poor little college where, cottage where she's at. Probably have to talk to people from distance to say, identify that she's unclean. But she heard something. And what she heard is important. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when she heard this, she got herself ready. She got herself together. She heard, whoever touches this garment is instantly made whole. So she got herself together. She left her little college and she set out to go to Jesus. And when she's going to Jesus, she kept saying, the Amplified, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, if I touch this garment, I'll be whole. I believe she kept saying it and saying it because all this opposition was coming against her brain because she knew as a Jewish person, she was not, not allowed to mingle in, with other people when you're unclean. And so it's having all these thoughts against her mind. She's vulnerable to all these thoughts. But she keeps on going. And then finally, the ultimate challenge, when she gets to Jesus, there's a crowd. What's the worst thing for somebody who is unclean to see? A crowd. If there were one or two or something like that, I could have just said, hey, buddy, 
step aside for a little bit. I just need to touch him. She got a whole crowd there. She disregards all that stuff. She gets on her knees and she gets over to the hem of Jesus and she touches it. And she's made whole right there on the spot. She heard something. She acted on it. And boom, she's instantly healed. You talk about a connection with Jesus. He says, someone touched me. The disciples say, what do you mean? Everybody's touching you. No, Jesus says, someone made a demand upon my ability. Hmm. And so he looked around to see her that had done this thing. And of course, she was timid or whatever, but she finally told all the truth. Told all the truth. And after she got done telling all the truth, Jesus said, daughter, go thy way. Now notice this. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. You want to talk about being hungry? If you would have suffered the things she suffered, if you would have seen the things that she had to go through, and if we would have realized how she spent all that she had, we don't know anything about her story. All we know is she was in a desperate situation. She had no quality of life. She had no connection with other people, and she's isolated from all other human beings. She can't even hug someone. When she heard, this is your way out, we should all have this kind of hunger. We should all have this kind of zeal. She tore off after Jesus. You see, Peter got his eyes off of Jesus and the word come. She kept her eyes on Jesus and kept saying, I got to touch his garment. When I touch his garment, when I touch his garment, boom. When she touched his garment, dynamic power was released like from a dynamo. And she was instantly healed by the stripes of Jesus. See, faith, it's important to understand its operation. Look at Romans chapter 10. Look, look at these verses. Uh, you'd have to read the whole chapter to put this in really total context, but I think we could get enough of it from here. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. See, the gospel is the power that saves. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by having heard. What's that say? You mean it doesn't say by having heard? Why am I pointing that out? Well, I heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that before. Okay, go home. And when, you, when you're, whoever, whoever cooks, pulls out the meal, I've eaten before. I don't need to eat. Right? I ate yesterday. There's no, I, don't, I don't need to eat. It doesn't, energy doesn't come by having eaten yesterday. Energy for today comes by eating today. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I need to hear the Word of God for salvation. I need to hear the Word of God for deliverance, for healing, for preservation, for wholeness constantly. Why? Because I'm constantly hearing all the scuttlebuttle that's happening in the world today. All the negativity that's happening in the world today. It's all around us everywhere we go. Anywhere you look. So doubt and unbelief, we hear it every single day. 
But when it comes to faith, it only comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And in those verses, we extract three components when it comes to faith. Number one, hearing. Number two, believing. And number three, acting. And the primary action of faith is speaking or saying, because that's what he said, call upon the name of the Lord. Now, there's an exception. Unless he tells you to do something specifically. So the action of faith is either speaking the word of God or doing what God said to do. Give you an example. Naaman the leper. Naaman the leper. How would you like to be Naaman? Anybody here want to be a leper? For a day? Leper for a day. New concept. Let's sign him up. Nobody. Here is a leper. He is told specifically how to get healed of leper. To show you the human condition. Think about this. He's told exactly how to get healed of leprosy. He's told, go down to the River Jordan and dip seven times and your flesh will come clean. But because when he went to the prophet's chambers, the prophet didn't come out with any of the uh, media, CBN, TBN, Fox News, and all that. No. There was no pomp and circumstance. There was no, the mighty Naaman is here. So I'm going to bring Elisha the prophet out. He's going to come out. and he's No, none of that took place. The servant says, go dip seven times in the river Jordan. Your flesh will come to you again and you're healed. That's what he heard, but he rejected that. God specifically told him how to act out his faith in order for him to be healed of leprosy. He was so prideful and so arrogant that he says, I got cleaner waters where I came from up in Syria. They're better than these waters here of the Jordan that are muddy because it's that season. Why do I want to dip in there? I'm out of here. If you had leprosy, would it matter if you got your clothes dirty? Would it? Mm -mm. So his servant says, Master, he didn't tell you to do something hard. Look at the human condition. We can be so stubborn. It has to be my way. So finally, he just says, okay. I love this about God. God knows how to deal with every single one of us. and how He knows our condition. He knows how we are. He knows exactly what we need to do to unleash his power in our lives. Did you know that? So Naaman, he's got his credentials. He's got all his achievements and accolades here on his beautiful military coat. The first dip, you got to take it off. Throw it aside. First layer of pride. Go dip once. Go dip twice. Like an onion. Second layer. Go dip again. Nothing happening. Fourth time, go dip again. Nothing happening. Fifth time, go dip again. By this time, who's getting frustrated? I don't know. Sixth time. See, God knows how many layers that we got. he's got to get through to get to us and us to get to him. Finally, on the seventh time, of course, the perfect number of our Lord, the seventh time he goes in, he comes up, and he is clean, cleansed of leprosy. Here's my question. Why would you walk away just because you were so stubborn that you wouldn't want to get dirty and live the rest of your life with leprosy? Why not just go dip? Should I say that or not? I, mm. I was just going to say, what a dip. It was quite a dip, wasn't it? Especially the seventh dip, wasn't it? On the seventh one, his flesh came. He was specifically told what to do. Now, 
One more quick testimony. I want, look, look, here's a testimony of Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans. She's a medical doctor. She had a, a terminal situation. And God healed her of that terminal situation. And Dr. Yeomans, what she did was she was given, or she was, uh, I think, yeah, given by inheritance, a piece of property and building and all that. She turned it into a center after being healed herself where she would take in terminally ill individuals into her facility there. I think she could take in two at a time or something like that. But anyhow, long story short, this woman with tuberculosis in the final stages of tuberculosis, given up to die by medical science, doesn't have much longer to live. She brings her in, puts her in the upstairs room, and she starts reading her for a couple of hours all healing scriptures. And she reads them over and over and over. But she tells her, this is what you must do. You must do this. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says this. And in the book of Galatians, it says that. And I want you to do this every single moment that you're awake. She was going in and out of consciousness sometimes. But every single moment you are awake, this is what you need to do. Second day goes by. Keep on saying, saying, saying the same thing, doing the same thing. Third day goes by. Here's what happens. Look at these scriptures. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14. I'll tell you what, if you ever took any scriptures to heart and you need healing in your body, here they are. How many of you know you've been redeemed? Have you been redeemed? Are you glad you're redeemed? But what have you been redeemed from? Most Christians don't know. The curse of the law. Say with me, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Wow. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. Why did he redeem us from the curse of the law? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And verse 29 says, And if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. These are powerful scriptures. Christ redeemed you. He redeemed me from the curse of the law by being made the curse for us so that we could be blessed with Abraham. So we're Abraham's seed. And so now look at Deuteronomy 28 and verse 22. And if you read this in another translation, you'll see what it is. If you will not observe to do all the words... I'm sorry, let's start with verse 50, 58 or 61 first. If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book that thou mayest fear the glorious and the fearful name of the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make or allow thy plagues wonderful and thy plagues of thy seed and great plagues and of long continuance and of sore sicknesses and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt where you were afraid of and they shall cleave to you and also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. Ouch! Anybody want any of that? Mm -mm. You ready for this? Christ redeemed us from that. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, which includes every sickness and every disease, be it known unknown, named unnamed, written unwritten, we have been redeemed from. When he arose victorious, he arose victorious over death, hell, the grave, and everything that pertains to the law of sin and death. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Well, why was that good for her? Look at verse 22. Deuteronomy 28, 22. 
<laughs> the Lord, now, you have to understand this. Where it says the Lord shall smite thee, it's in the causative rather than the permissive. It should never have been that way. It wasn't translated right that way. But the Lord shall allow you to be consumed with what? A consumption. Everybody say consumption. You know what that is? Tuberculosis. The Lord shall smite thee with a tuberculosis and with a fever, with inflammation, with the extreme burning, and with the sword, and with the blasting, with the mildew, and they shall pursue thee until you perish. This woman was dying. She's at the point of death. And Dr. Lillian Beoman said to her, Say this every day. Christ redeem me from the curse of the law. Tuberculosis is a curse of the law. Therefore, I'm redeemed from tuberculosis, and tuberculosis can't live in my body. And she asked her one the second day, are you saying it? She said, I said it 10,000 times today, but I don't understand it, doctor. She said, just keep saying it. Keep saying it. You see, it's got to get from here to here because faith is not here. Faith is here. And on the third day in the afternoon, she was downstairs working with another individual. And all of a sudden she heard, this woman couldn't get out of bed. She heard some pitter-patter of footsteps coming down. All of a sudden, this woman comes running down the stairs, walks over to, uh, runs over to Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans and says to her, Dr. Yeomans, Dr. Yeomans, Christ redeemed me from the curse of tuberculosis and I no longer have it. She was completely whole. Completely healed. Hallelujah. Well, guess what? That was healing by the word. That was healing based on the Word of God. You don't have to wait even for a gift of the Spirit to be in operation. So we're going to touch space with a lot of... I've got personal testimonies, I'm telling you right now. You know, my Andrew is here. He's out there with a friend. Uh, and he was to die. I never get bored telling it. And someday soon, he will be standing here talking to you about it. Soon. You can't live. Oh, Mr. and Mrs. Anzavino, we've got good and bad news for you. Your son, he didn't make, the catheterization, he died twice during the catheterization. We had to revive him twice. He's so weak, he, we can't, we want to operate, but he, we can't, he, he'll die. He could die in your arms, he could die in surgery. Take your pick. And I just said to the doctor, doctor, do what you have to do. We believe God. We believe God. We asked him to give him a new he didn't have a left pulmonary artery. We asked him to give him one. Mark eleven twenty four says, you believe you receive it, you'll have it. And I said, we believe we receive it. My wife and I did. He'll be 22 in June. He grew a left pulmonary artery to normal size in nine months. The procedure was perfect. So much connected to it. His book's out there if you'd like a copy of it in the bookstore, but he went to heaven when he died those two times. He wants to talk to you about that. He saw Jesus, who said he was going to give him a whole heart, make him big, and send him back to the earth. But Jesus said, you have to tell everybody about me, Andrew. He's still shocked that, he, that Jesus knew his name. He says it all the time, Dad, he knew my name. When he was coming to me, it was a bright light, but then I saw him, and I knew it was Jesus. He sat down next to me on the bench, and he said to me, Andrew, he said, I said to him, Jesus. He knew who he was. He knew it. I'm telling you, my oldest daughter would be dead right now if it were not for the, the, these critics that say, you were the faith person. Thank you. I love it. She would be dead. 
if it were not for the word of faith. I wouldn't have my two older boys, that one over there, if it were not for the word of faith. Because you see, her mother had an operation in her inward parts. You ladies know what I'm talking about. And the doctor said, "Mm mm-mm. And so I didn't believe I could have another one when I first got saved. But someone gave me Psalm 128. I saw 128 and says, your wife will be planted by the side of your house and children around your table like all the plants. And I said, children? That's not me, Lord, children. Read it, Psalm 128. You talk about faith? How do you teach that moment that faith hits you right here? I got on my knees. I can tell people to do this. In a mill crane, I got on my knees. Tears in my eyes. I misrepresented you, Jesus. I've told everybody we can't have any more children. But your word says right here, my wife shall be a fruitful vine planted by the sides of my house and my children around my table like all the plants. I went home after the night shift, laid hands on her. You are healed, and now you are a joyful mother of children. His brother was born first. He was born next. I was looking for a scripture to turn it off. (laughs) Stop this. Wow. And you know what? From that testimony right here, I can't tell you how many people, this started back in the church, back in Midland, how many people that could not have children have, have had children because of that testimony. There's so much more I can say, but let's stand before the Lord. This is-